This is a Concealed Carry Podcast special episode. Welcome to the Concealed Carry Podcast, part of the ConcealedCarry.com network. I am your host, Riley Bowman, flying yet again solo today, as uh, today is just a special, just, I say just, today is a special episode of the Concealed Carry Podcast, where I'll be playing back an interview that Jacob and I did together with Tony Lambrea of UTM Worldwide. Now, these are the guys that are well known for their training ammunition, blanks, marking rounds, also, all the firearm conversions necessary to do this. I mean, these are a competitor with uh, another well-known uh, simulated ammunition company, if you catch my drift. And uh, they make some incredible stuff. Uh, I, I find it to be incredibly versatile, lots of fantastic options, compatibility with tons of different firearm products out there. That not, not only that, though, by the way, they make personal protective equipment portable training facilities, equipment that, that goes along with all of this at every, you know, as far as from a training perspective. And, and that's another thing too. These guys are trainers and they really get it and they understand training. They understand safety. They understand shooting. I mean, they're shooters. They're, they're good dudes. You're going to enjoy listening to this interview together with uh, Mr. Lambrea. I do want to mention though that today's episode is brought to you by Glock and by UTM. Glock uh, was so kind to have us in their booth at SHOT Show 2018, where we recorded this interview together with Tony. And of course, uh, Tony and, and his company for being uh, so gracious to us. And this is not the first time we've talked with Tony either. It's the first time he, he'll make an appearance on the podcast. But uh, I think we've got a, a video or two with uh, UTM on our YouTube channel that you can go check out. So speaking of which, by the way, uh, we are going to be at the uh, USCCA Expo coming up here in just a couple of weeks in Louisville, Kentucky, where we'll be doing a, we'll have a broadcast booth there with live throughout the show coverage of, of, of things at the show, uh, interviews with top industry peeps. Tony will make, be making another appearance at that time uh, as they'll have their virtual training range set up in within the show floor uh, at USCCA Expo. So we'll look forward to seeing him and, and, and their team uh, again here very, very soon. And hope that if you're anywhere near the Louisville, Kentucky area, that you'll make the opportunity to come out and say hello and see us and interact with us and see everything else that's awesome to, to check out at the uh, USCCA Expo this year. It'll be their biggest one yet. So without further ado, I'm going to go ahead and play back that interview now. We'll catch you on the other side. Hey, uh, it's Riley and Jacob. We're here sitting with Tony Lambrea in the Glock booth at Shasho 2018, a wonderful place to be. Uh, they've been so wonderful to host us uh, for the Concealed Carry Podcast. Tony, how you doing, sir? I'm doing well. How are you guys doing? We're doing good. Yeah, it's the last day of the show, and, you know, at this point, people start getting a little bit tired, but the good news is there's a little bit less crowds. That's true. Uh, now, your guys' booth's always a popular one. You get a lot of traffic through there, and for people who don't know... Uh, don't, don't know anything about UTM. Tell us you know, the quick snapshot, what it's all about. So UTM is a training munition company. Uh, we do training, but we also make munitions and conversions. And the basic concept is you take a real firearm, you convert it over, and then you shoot our training ammunition. And uh, we've been, you know, military and law enforcement for the most of it. So I, I usually like to say uh, paintball on steroids, yeah. right? Yeah. You know, because you're shooting from a real gun, real platform, but it has a marking cartridge inside. So you can do force on force. It's actually designed to shoot at each other. 
Yeah. Yeah. Right. Well, I imagine the the vast, massive percentage of customers are not consumers. Um, they're gun ranges, they're police departments, military contracts, things like that. But I, I am finding that more and more uh, consumers, just average daily Joes like me, can find places locally where they can go and they can experience uh, your products and, and get that kind of training. Yeah, you know what? There's, uh, there's a lot of training organizations throughout the United States. We've got probably over 450. So there's more and more signing on. And they're bringing in the UTM products because there's so much more that you can do rather than just live fire. I mean, live fire has its place. It's, it's good to do. But there's other options, right? You know, if you wanted to do uh, draws from the holster, if you wanted to do uh, 180 degrees, 360, if you want to do any kind of scenario stuff, obviously that's what you would use our products for. So there's a lot more people signing on to do that. Um, and then there's a lot more doing the uh, home stuff because uh, we're, we're actually out in the commercial market now, which yep. we're the only company that's allowing that. Yep. And uh, you can hang a target up in your garage or your backyard or someplace, convert over your real gun, your AR, your handgun, whatever it is, and you're popping rounds in your backyard and nobody even knows the better. Yeah. You, know, you don't have to go to the range. Yeah, and, and, you know, I love what we said about the real gun because we talk a lot about, you know, things like, you know, I hate to use the cliches, but things like muscle memory and, you know, things like that. And there's plenty of training, you know, products out there, training guns. Yep. Uh, but you guys have a pretty wide uh, you know, set of products as, as far as converting different kinds of guns. So talk through a little bit, you know, what, what that looks like and, and how people would find those products. Yeah, so we, uh, we do have a wide array. We've probably got about 155, 160 conversion kits for different guns. That's a lot. A lot of platforms, um, a lot of rifle platforms. The AR bolt actually fits in any one of the AR platforms. doesn't matter, gas, direct. It doesn't make a difference. It'll still fit in there. And it's just a bolt carrier group exchange. Um, we do all of the, obviously, the Glock products, you know, 17, 22, 34, 35. So we have all of the um, the main type of weapon systems, Smith & Wesson, uh, SIG, you know. So we have all of those types of handguns. And it just gives you the versatility to be able to shoot your gun and still get your recoil, still use your own sights, still, you know, do all the same things. And with your rifle, once again, you're shooting with your sling, you're shooting with, you know, your optics, your flashlights, and, you know, it's just as realistic as you can possibly get. Yeah. It, folks, if you have never seen UTM and their setup, I mean, they, they you guys have set up at a number of shows, uh, uh, USCCA Expo, the Carry Guard Expo, here at Shot Show. You've set up at NASCAR races. That's right. Uh, anything else that you guys are doing where you're setting up? We we actually have a uh, a place called Top Shot Las Vegas, a, a storefront that people can go into and and have some fun with UTM. They can do gun battles. They can actually shoot on interactive 14 foot screens. Oh, cool! Um, there's a whole slew of things that they can do in there, and it's really just for entertainment purposes. But there's also some training value too. Gee, sure. And, see, and that's amazing to me. And and so what where I was going with this is if you haven't seen these guys or visited one of their 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 setups, their booths, their their store. Uh, it's something you really got to check out and experience for yourself. Uh, great product. And, and you guys, you attracted me. Like, I, you caught my eye probably three shot shows ago. And I found you downstairs in your little mm -hmm. booth. Yep. And I was like, whoa, you guys are making some stuff that's available to civilians? Because unlike your competitors, I mean, that had never been done before. And I think that's really cool. Why was that important to you to reach out to, to the civilian market? Other than making a bunch more money. Yeah. Well, honestly, it was, uh, you know, there's a lot of people out there that um, that need additional training. Right. And um, we felt that it was important to release it out to the commercial market so that they could get better training. You know, it, so many people buy a gun and then they go to the range maybe once and then it goes in the draw and they never shoot again. 
right? And then they're out there and they're, they're carrying concealed and maybe they're not, they're not qualified. Or if they get, God forbid, they get involved in some incident or something, they're, they're not really equipped necessarily to handle it because the stress that's involved, you know, it's a lot different when somebody's shooting back at you rather than just popping holes in a paper target on a range, right? So we really did want to give them an opportunity to experience what military and law enforcement has known for years, which is stress inoculation type drills and shooting in 360 degrees and paying attention to your surroundings and things like that. And we just really didn't see any reason why we wouldn't allow people to experience that same thing. Um, and then, and you have the, the new shooter thing as well. You know, you got the beginners, you know, teaching children safety. You know what? If you have a 22 rifle or if you have a 22 pistol and you're trying to teach kids, a 22 still kills somebody, right? So with this, it's completely safe. It's, you know, 310 feet per second. They could actually teach, you know, gun safety. You teach a brand new shooter who's intimidated by the gun, you know, no noise, 110 decibels. It's nothing. It's like bouncing a basketball, right? So it, it gives them an opportunity to shoot. And we really felt strongly about it. You know, Second Amendment, we want people to have, you know, the ability to train the right way. And we want them to be able to do it, you know, and have their firearms. Yeah. yeah. Let's talk more about stress inoculation. We did an episode, oh geez, I don't even remember how long ago, where I think that the headline was, you know, how police departments are increasing their, their hit rates by 450% or something. And we had found some research, I think it was Grossman or something like that, and he talked about stress inoculation. But here's what I find fascinating, and I'm excited to hear your comments on this. When people step into your guys' I'm going to call it the experience, you know, you guys kind of put together a little shoot house, and you, you create scenarios and things for people to do. It's, it's amazing when, you know, this is a situation where people know that their life's not on the line. Right. Uh, you know, they're not concerned about getting, you know, about being killed. But there is an, an immediate change to their psyche that they can't get by picking up, a, you know, some other laser training pistol or by punching holes through their paper. So talk about, you know, the observations you have and in, in seeing many of people, including Riley and I, come through that kind of experience. It, well, first off, you touched on a really good point. You mentioned Grossman. And, uh, you know, we've had conversations about this. You know, when you're going to train uh, to fight, if you were a boxer, right, how would you train? If you hit a heavy bag for your whole career, and then I threw you in a ring and I told you, go ahead and go fight that professional fighter. How well do you think you would do? Yeah, you'd be down on the ground. <laughs> you'd be hit, yeah. you'd hit your head hand here, right? But we're training people to carry guns and be gunfighters, but they're not able to spar or fight, right, like they normally right. would. There's, there's so, nothing. <laughs> so what, how good, how prepared are you going to be, right? Uh, you know, and, you know, like Mike Tyson said, you know, everybody's got a plan until you get hit, right? Well, that's the same thing with a gun battle. Everybody's got a plan. Everybody thinks they can shoot. Everybody pops, you know, holes in targets, you know, one inches wide because they're nice, take a breath, relax, steady flow, you know. And all of a sudden, when you start getting a little pain penalty, you start getting shot, you get somebody pointing a gun at you, you get that adrenaline dump that you normally would. Now, granted, it may not be to the extent of what, but most people don't process that. They see a gun pointed at them. They start getting into it. They, they yep. feel the realism of it. Yep. And, and they get that same adrenaline dump that they would normally yep. get. And yeah. now you're training for real. Let's touch on that just a little bit. I mean, talking about this adrenaline dump, and, and sometimes people do funny things, right. you know, goofy things even. No doubt. Uh, or react in ways they, they wouldn't otherwise expect uh, because they, they're in that in a situation, perhaps for the first time in their life, that, that really, you know, is causing them to not know what to do or how to rea react or respond to a situation. So I was thinking about, as a law enforcement instructor, I've been, in, I've been privileged to, to do some force-on-force force with some academy cadets. Right. And we always run them through this, this one 
uh, a drill. You know, it's an exercise, right? They got to move from cover to cover and achieve certain tasks. You know, drag a, a, a you know a body away from from the threat and do all these different things while they're under fire. Okay, and so the instructors get to play the role of the aggressor, mm-hmm. <laughs> right? right? Right. So your cadets are going up against you as instructors. And it's funny sometimes. I mean, I, I hate to say it's funny, but it is kind of funny because people will do things like, for instance, there's this one guy who's not using cover very effectively, right? And right. he's down behind this barrel. And his arms hang, you know, about half of his, well, it was about his shoulder down to just, just above his hand. And I could see his whole arm. And I'm like, bang, you know, hit him in the arm. Oh, you know, and he, and he just kind of, you know, shook and shook it off, and he, he just stayed there, okay? But his arm's still exposed, so bam, <laughs> hit his arm again. His arm's still exposed, bam, hit his arm again. <laughs> and finally, he got the message. And I thought what was interesting about that is that, that the way I interpret, interpreted this and what I think happened in his mind is he didn't know what else to do. Right, he, sure. He didn't realize, yeah. you know, just how much he was exposed. I mean, yeah, there's an arm, an arm's an arm, but it's still something that I can hit. Yeah, the stimulus and, was and not enough. He, yeah, right. And so, like, he was stuck. He was stuck there. He was frozen. Right. Is that something you see? Yeah, it's absolutely stuff that we see. I mean, you get people putting in magazines backwards. You know, when they're doing right. reloads. You know, we've seen people drop the magazines on the floor completely. You see people freeze. Right. Some people fight. They start hitting people with the gun. I mean, we see people lose their mind when they start getting that stress yeah. points. Um, but I want to hit on another piece that uh, along those lines. You know, from a training perspective, there are people that are out there that are doing scenario training, right? But there's good and bad, and I'll tell you what I mean by that. Um, Sometimes, and you know, you mentioned law enforcement. Obviously, that's my background, military and law enforcement as well. But you've seen it where the instructors go in, they hide in the building, and anybody who comes in, they kill everybody, right? So what did you teach the person? That they could die in a good way? I mean, you know, how is that really helping? And there are programs out there right now that are throwing people into extremely stressful situations, vehicle uh, hijackings, ATM scenarios, whatever it is. But they're adding so much stress and so much, and they didn't prepare them. They didn't do drills. They didn't actually build them up to that, that they're setting people up to fail. So even with our ammunition, you have to know how to train that way because you should be building somebody up to make them better, not to show them that they're going to lose. Because the other thing that a scenario does is it's actually a blueprint, right? We're trying to give them a a situation or something they can pull from when they're in a live experience, right? That's what you're doing. You're trying to simulate an experience to make them perform better in real life. Well, if their only experience in a scenario is that they got shot and died and they did poorly, then what are they going to draw from? And it's going to create more fear, more freezing, right? Right. You know, they're, they're, they're not going to perform better. They're going to perform worse yep. because if the training can leave a scar. Yep. So uh, I'm a firm believer that they, they have to train correctly. You know, just because you do stress inoculation, just because you do drills doesn't make it correct. You know, yep. it's like if you practice doing a firearm drill the wrong way a hundred times, well, you're going to get really good at doing it wrong. Right. Right. Yep. So right. it's the same thing with scenario training. It's the same thing with force on force. You have to train correctly. Right. You have to teach them. You have to build them up and they have to see some successes that they can pull from. Yep. The after action, the debriefing, all that, that's a critical part of that. You know, and that's certainly something we covered with this this cadet was, hey, you know, why'd you leave your arm hanging out there? Oh, I don't know. You know, I, I don't, usually the answer is I don't know. Right. And, and it's important, I think, to explain to people the reason why. And for him, it was, hey, look, you froze and that's right. okay. And, and why did he freeze? Because we gave him a task. You know, you got to go achieve this task. And I think that particular one was an, a disassembled clock. And you got to assemble the Glock under stress while you're trying to remain behind cover, right? 
simple task right. for someone that's done that many times, which he had done, but yet you put a little bit of stress in, in, into it. And I think that's the learning experience, at least, that, that we saw in that in that situation was, oh, okay, now I see what you're talking about. He did much better the second time going through that, through that drill, of course. Well, the, right? co- the cognitive stack, right, yeah. shortens really quickly when, yep. when you're in that environment. You, you used to be able to manage three, four tasks at a time and be processing those things, and all of a sudden you can really right. only do one because right. you know, yeah. your body's not used to that, and the cognitive stack just, just, just shrinks. So true. Yep. Tony, give some people some some advice or some thoughts. You know, if 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 the, if they no one's ever been in a force and force scenario before, they've never done any force force training. They, you know, this is completely new to them. They they go to the range, they do their best, they run some drills, they maybe do some dry fire at home. You know, where do they start? Like, you know, when someone's like, "This sounds amazing. What do I do?" Yeah, there there are are a lot of qualified trainers out in the United States right now that are doing this type, you have to seek them out. But you do have to pay attention to what I just brought out, right? Yep. So you can find some of the ranges that are actually doing classes. See if they have non-lethal training ammunition. See if they actually run programs that will put you through some of that type of training, some scenario training. And and I think that's you know critical to what, you know, starting off. But I like to go back to the other point. Find those ranges. Find the places that are actually doing, you know, that kind of stuff. You know, there's a place here in Las Vegas, PFC. Great guys do a bunch of good training. Um, We're putting training facilities throughout the United States as well. You know, forward movement training up in Idaho, doing a really good job up there running scenario training. So if you do a little bit of research, you'll find some of these groups that are actually doing that. And, um, you know, kind of evaluate it, you know. And if they're doing what I said before, throwing you into scenarios and, you know, making you lose, and you may need to find someplace else to go. So, you know, there's good and bad in everything that you do, but they're, they're out there, you know, but make sure you're looking for, you know, places that have, you know, UTM type ammunition where they can train yeah. and, you know, ask that question. Yeah. That's cool. So run us through maybe a simple scenario, one that's common that you like to put students through. Um, we run a whole bunch of different types of scenarios. And like right. I said, I like the skill builders. You know, we try and put them into vehicles. Not a lot of people have ever shot from the vehicle, right? Mm-hmm. And with UTM, it's really safe. So what we do is right. we'd roll down the windows, we'd open it up, we start them out, seatbelt on, you know, and then, all right, here's the drills. We're going to say, when I say go, I want you to draw from your concealed position. And I want you to fire out on the left. Then I want you to fire out on the right. Then, you know, work from that position. Okay, now I want you to do is I want you to unbuckle your seatbelt, get your seatbelt off, and I want you to actually get out of the vehicle from there. Then we'll work out while you're out of the vehicle. Say you're gassing up your, your car and you're at a gas station. Where do you stand? How do you, you know, how do you position yourself, right? Do you leave your car running? I mean, that's all you hear these days, right? People getting their cars hijacked with their children in the back seat, things yep. like that. So we talk to them about positions. We talk to them about how you should, you know, pay attention, where you should put yourself. And then we give them the opportunity to shoot safely around the vehicles that's an example um another one is just shooting from a seated position like if you were in a restaurant you know if you're in a restaurant something happens can you draw and shoot from that position if not can you get up quickly how do you get up quickly how do you get your feet under you again so positional stuff you know that will translate very well those are really good uh really good scenarios from there you know i love the vehicle aspect too because i doubt many people ever you know, go through or practice the routine of, of how they might ex- exit a vehicle, assuming they need to exit, or what they might do while they're inside that vehicle. I mean, we, re- we recently did, did a, a, a training course that, you know, was all about working around, fighting around a vehicle, and there's a lot of lessons to be learned. You know, when, when you actually go through that, uh, spend some time working through it, you start to 
to discover some of those problems, you know, as far as where the hangups are with the seatbelt or the hangups with the steering wheel or the hangups of other things inside the vehicle. And the other thing is you might realize is that, especially when you're putting vehicles you, that you're not familiar with, right? Yep. Is that, oh, wait, in my vehicle, that's not an issue, but in this other vehicle, it is. Now, granted, it's not practical for us to try to train in 100 different vehicle types, no, 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 but it's sure. just good, I think, to realize, and, and you know, and that helps you in the future, I think. I mean, maybe, maybe you agree or disagree, but uh, maybe it helps you in the future try to at least, as you're riding in, as a passenger in someone's vehicle, you're looking around you and going, okay, this could be a hang-up as I'm trying to exit the vehicle or something right. to that effect. I think another big part of that, too, that you touched on is uh, people start to learn how and where they should carry concealed, mm. right? Because, yeah. you know, you, you say, oh, well, I like to carry on the small of my back. I like to carry here. You start thinking about places where it's the most comfortable, yeah. but maybe it's not the best place to access your gun when you're in a seated position. Yeah, no kidding. You know? And so you start to learn. I mean, you know, again, military law enforcement, well, how do you learn about your gear and where it should be? You get out there, you run around, you jump around, you do stuff, you hit obstacle courses, and you start to understand, oh, man, my pack doesn't belong yeah. here, or my holster shouldn't be in this position or, you know, a drop holster is not as great as this, you know. So you start to learn things about your gear. Well, when you're, uh, you know, you're carrying concealed, it's the same thing. When do you get the opportunity to draw from different positions? They'll throw you off a range if you try to do that, right? Yep. But you never learn about your gear. You never learn about what the advantages to carrying in different positions are. And you should, you know. uh, uh, There's a lot of ladies out there that are carrying in their pocketbooks. have, Have they ever tried getting it out quickly from their pocketbook. You know, you need your gun. Now your pocketbook's on the yeah. seat sitting yeah. across from you yep. five feet away, you know, yep. <laughs> or it's in the back seat. Now you got to reach over <laughs> and grab it, you know, from there. Yeah, muzzle everyone. Tony, talk about um, the things that you most commonly see break down in a negative way uh, when shooters in, are in those environments. Are, are there, you know, consistent things that you just, you kind of come to expect? I think the number one thing, right, glaring is uh, is their accuracy goes out the window mm. i mean obviously under a stressful environment depending on how close you are you're point shooting anyway but you would be amazed that people would miss somebody from three feet away sure you know you're doing vehicle stuff and you're trying to shoot and all of a sudden a guy comes up and starts blasting some blanks and they they'll pull their gun out and they'll try and fire and they'll miss them completely from that position so the accuracy goes out the window why because they're not really paying attention to their sights or anything else they're not even positional they're not used to punching out because that's all they've ever practiced with punching out in front they're not used to shooting left or right so the accuracy is number mm. one first mm. and foremost sure yeah. um I, I think judgment goes out the window to a certain extent under stress right so you you put somebody through these types of stressful environments and then all of a sudden you run an innocent person in and they don't realize that they wind up shooting the innocent person. So your judgment is is impaired because you're so pumped up. It's hard to control yourself and bring your emotions down and actually process information quickly before you pull the trigger. And that's a definite thing. So uh, accuracy is the other. Um, and then we do is we make sure that we put innocent targets behind the backdrops. So if they're running through that stressful environment and they're running through that thing and then we run a bad guy at them, I'll put three or four or five targets behind them and then afterwards, we'll look at the targets and say, guess what? You know, you got to be accountable for your rounds, right? Mm. And you just missed the person three times and look at, you just hit these two people behind them. You know, so accuracy, definitely. Yeah. Judgment, for sure. That's interesting. You know, I'm feeling naive for never having thought of this or noticed this before. But, you know, the power of putting, you know, innocent targets behind the primary target. And that could be in dry fire. That could be in live fire. It could be, Absolutely. you know, wherever it might be. But allowing yourself to say... You know, I, it's one thing to say I missed, 
Right. It's another thing entirely to say, I just hit that innocent person. That's exactly right. Uh, and so I think that's a, that's a huge tip. That's a great takeaway. Yeah. Awesome. Well, you know, unfortunately, I think we're about out of time. Tony, it's been such a pleasure. I wish we could sit down with you more. Maybe we'll have to do something over dinner or something sometime and really pick your brain. Yep, sounds good. <laughs> Tony, thanks again. Hope you have a good rest of the show. Thanks a lot, guys. I appreciate Thank it very you so much. much. Thank you. Well, there you have it. Another fantastic interview from SHOT Show 2018 from the uh, Glock booth. And we appreciate them for being such wonderful hosts. And as uh, honorary sponsors of today's episode, I encourage you to give them a little bit of your support. And also UTM Worldwide for everything uh, that they and Tony uh, have, have done for us. And we're appreciative of our uh, relationship with them. A lot of really great takeaways, I thought, from this interview and discussion together with Tony about uh, uh, simulated training with uh, simulated ammunition, training ammunition, uh, force-on-force training, et cetera, et cetera. So uh, I hope you found a, uh, or I f- hope you found some value of this episode here today. And I'm not going to expound on things too much, uh, keeping it fairly short here today with the, of course, with these uh, bonus episodes. Uh, I do just wanted to point out that uh, I mentioned it in the beginning of the episode, but we will be seeing Tony and hopefully we'll be seeing you, some of you at least, at the USCCA Expo in Louisville, Kentucky. And in case you don't have the details on that event, that runs Friday the 13th, (laughs) Friday the 13th of uh, April and concludes on Sunday the 15th of April. We'll be there all three days running our broadcast booth, uh, which is right next to the demonstration stage at the uh, expo. Come see us. Come say hello. We'll have lots of fantastic interviews. And if you can't make it, We'll be sharing some links. There will be a a link on the website where you can watch a live stream of live show coverage all three days while we're there. We're pretty excited uh, to bring that to you. It's a major project for us. And we're also appreciative of the partnership together with USCCA to make that all possible and provide coverage of their show. So with that, guys, I'm going to let you go. Um, You have a fantastic day. Uh, We will see you actually... At the time of the release of this episode, it actually technically may not quite get out until Tuesday early, early, early morning, a little bit later today at 11 a.m. Mountain Time, approximately, we'll have uh, episode number 213 of the Concealed Carry Podcast, our weekly news episode with loads of fantastic stories for you. So hope to see you here again in a little bit. Uh, live, that'll be live on Facebook at 11 a.m. Mountain Time. Uh, the actual episode will be released later in the day or early Wednesday morning. So with that, a reminder to train right, train often, and train safe so you can fight hard, fight fast, and fight true. Take care. Reminder that laws vary from place to place, and we encourage listeners to seek local legal advice to understand applicable laws. The Concealed Carry Podcast, Concealed Carry Inc., ConcealedCarry.com, and their affiliates strive to share insights and stories about firearm-related incidents and laws, but things could be different where you live, or laws may have changed by the time you listen to this. We cannot be held liable for your actions based on the information shared in this podcast.